Hey, this is Thor from Cybrary. If you've been enjoying the Cybrary podcast or one of our other series like 401 Access Denied or Go For It with Sarah Moffat, then make sure to like, follow, or subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. And we'd love to hear from you. Join the discussion by leaving us a comment or review on your platform of choice or emailing us at podcast at cybrary.it and you could be featured in a future episode. From all of us at Cybrary, thank you and enjoy the show. You're listening to the 401 Access Denied Podcast. I'm Mike Rowan, VP of Engineering and CISO at Cybrary. Please join me and my co-host, Joseph Carson, Chief Security Scientist at Thycotic, as we discuss the latest news and attempt to make cybersecurity accessible, usable, and fun. Be sure to check back every two weeks for new episodes. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of 401 Access Tonight. I'm really excited for another fantastic, fun discussion today. This is probably one that many people are going to be really interested in. And uh, my name is Joseph Carson, Chief Security Scientist at Dicotic, uh, based in Tallinn, Estonia. And uh, of course, you know, it's it's an award-winning podcast these days. So we're really excited to, to have the award uh, for the podcast. And I'm again joined with my co-host, Mike. So Mike, do you want to give us a updates and uh, what we're expecting for the theme today. Yeah, definitely. So Mike Rowan, VP of Engineering and CISO at Cybrary, uh, based out of DC. Um, today's topic is a definite spicy one about uh, uh, law enforcement and whether or not there's overreach and, and what they're able to do. Uh, today, we're joined by Josh Lespinoso, a frequent flyer on the uh, podcast, <laughs> um, and definitely somebody who's helped us get that award. So Josh, why don't you... Uh, give a brief introduction and then we can just dig right in because uh, I think it'll be a hot topic. Yeah, no, thank uh, By the way, what are, what are the status uh, levels for frequent flyer on, on 401? Do I, do I start like, do I get like a comfy chair, like food drinks? I think the shared Slack channel. The, that's uh, that's gotcha. a shot. Okay, okay. <laughs> fair, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, yeah, Josh Lispinoza, I'm a founder CEO of uh, Shift Vibes, a, a fleet data company in uh, D.C. Way to undersell it, um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. yeah, it's great to be back. Yeah. Thank you for uh, thank you for having me. Absolutely, it's awesome to have you here. And you know, this this is a topic that you know it's been going on since the start of the year, and it all started with the exchange uh, server um, vulnerabilities that uh, the attacking group uh, Hefnan did basically went and exploited you know, many uh, of those vulnerabilities around the world and basically installed a bunch of web shells that give them access to those servers. And uh, one of the things that, you know, that, you know, they really, you know, Microsoft released a patch and, you know, people started uh, cleaning up. But for months, you know, the last few months, there's been a number of those companies who were victims that have went, you know, basically and have done nothing to fix it, have not removed it. And those wells, web shells still existed. And uh, recently, uh, the FBI decided to take a much more proactive approach um, and then uh, gain a court order um, or so, you know, a warrant to be able to go into those exposed companies and start removing the web shells. So there's a big question here, you know, and it's been you know, around the social media and the news have picked up in this about was it overreach? Uh, were they doing the right thing? And I kind of, for me, I, I, I guess, you know, I don't know, Mike and Josh, what your thoughts are. I waited and took a backseat and I wanted to gather my thoughts on this. Um, I know my initial kind of thoughts on the privacy and overreach, uh, but I wanted to kind of step back and, and just take a, a real understanding about, you know, this is always this question about doing good, you know, versus, you know, is your good intentions or was your good intention something that potentially, you know, overreached or went into a gray area? Um, so, interested, Joshua. You know, what's what has your been initial thoughts, and uh, has it changed over the time um, that this has been, you know, uh, circulating? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I really, I think it's really good framing, Joe. Like, my framework for this is that there has to be some just really ex- extraordinary circumstances mm-hmm. for the federal government to be violating uh, the privacy uh, of of a, of a private entity. Um, or to you know, sort of like mm-hmm. use um, uh, force to to get into something that they don't otherwise have permission to mm-hmm. get into. And for me, I immediately thought of um, uh, this incident back in 2017. I remember the the Mirai botnet, which was uh, yeah. you know basically this really 
the, the S in IoT is for security, right? Like these terrible devices that just have all these <laughs> vulnerabilities. Somebody wrote a botnet to go and basically collect these IoT devices. Mm -hmm. And um, in doing so, actually created sort of a, an existential threat to the internet and its ability yeah. to function because you can generate even though these devices are like these tiny little whatever, you can generate such massive volumes of traffic mm -hmm. by telling them to like focus it on a, on a particular uh, domain or server. And um, because of that, some vigilante out there wrote a piece of malware where it was basically using the same techniques as Mirai, you know, the, the exploit, but mm -hmm. replace the payload with something that would wipe the device and render it inert uh, with, the, with the thought being, hey, I know that this is certainly a violation of computer fraud and abuse act like there's no there's no question about it but because this this botnet created such a threat to the functioning of the internet uh and to the community that the mm -hmm. ends justify the means so so to my mind when i when i saw the fbi doing that that was the framework i was thinking about is yeah. like well if is this an existential threat to to the company to, to the either the companies that are that are that are that have been hacked or to the community at large that would justify mm -hmm. the FBI taking such extraordinary means. Um, and I, I don't know that it was to be totally, I mean, yeah. where I fall on that is I, I don't think that the FBI was, was, uh, uh, was, was warranted. Well, literally not warranted, but it wasn't <laughs> yeah. a warranted action to, for them to, to be doing what they did. Yeah. I mean, I think the important part for me, if I can hop in and, and I don't know if we covered it really well enough is that the, the notification aspect, it's not yeah. like the FBI, was trying to get in touch, trying to get in touch and trying to get in touch. And this was the, or, or maybe they were, we don't really, you know, maybe we don't know, maybe that wasn't reported, but the fact is they went in and it's notification after the fact. And I think that to me is a, is a big problem. That's part of the bigger problem is it's one thing to try and get in touch with the owners of these things and tell them they need to deal with it versus going in and, and fixing it. That's a, that's a big aspect. And then yeah. the, the framework under which, like, what, what are they allowed to do once they're in a network? Like, you know, and, and we sort of talked about this off, you know, right before we started recording, like, I don't want to come home to a note from the local police department that says, Oh, Hey, we saw that your back door was broken. So we, we, uh, we went in and we fixed it and it's locked up now. Uh, and while we were here, you know, we didn't find anything else, yeah. but you know, we, we had like, a cup of coffee and <laughs> right. uh, we raided, raided or, your fridge. Or like, but this, right, right. Yeah, but this brings up a really good point, Mike. Which or, is, or your fourteen-year-old or your fourteen-year-old son is smoking weed. So uh, exactly. please bring him down to the police department. Now this is, this, this <laughs> right. is exactly where you know it's like okay, well, it is very debatable whether the FBI, you know, stepped overstepped its bounds in like using a warrantless approach to, to getting into these servers. <laughs> I think all three of us probably, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but all three of us probably think that was a, a big overstepping of, mm -hmm. of some important boundaries. Now, suppose they were warranted in doing it, right? <laughs> now you've got a whole can of worms. What happens if they go in there and they find evidence of a crime? If you have nothing to yeah. hide, then why do you worry? <laughs> <laughs> oh, one of the most famous, <laughs> famous statements. Of, uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I actually just I mean, read. Some, I, somebody. I just read 1984 side. again. So just, <laughs> just wrote, brought back some memories. <laughs> so, but I, I loved. I mean, one of one of the uh, one, I was kind of taking a step back and was just reading and seeing what was happening. And I completely agree with you, Josh. And it was a, it was a big question of gray area here and it's even even you know what you think about even what ethical hackers and penetrations and security researchers do as well they tend to get into that gray area as well when they're actually doing vulnerability testing and finding and exploiting in order to do the good thing but in many cases they notify the vendors and they notify uh, and they give them time in order to fix it there's that disclosure you know disclosure rate in order saying here's a here's the time that basically we'll give you whatever 30 days 60 days 90 days in order to fix it and if you don't we're going to come back in and we're going to notify the world and i really loved uh, it was uh, yavid malik who posted uh, you know basically what was happening he posted a, a tweet which was about it's basically, you know, his bathroom window was a bit broken and, uh, you know, he wouldn't mind if the local law enforcement at some point would come in and, you know, with a screwdriver and, you know, close the lock. Um, and that was his interpretation of what was happening here is that it's basically like, you know, law enforcement coming into your home, as you said, you know, Mike, you know, finding something was broken, the door was open, the window was broken, whatever it might be, and they're fixing it from the inside. Um, the whole question for me, for me, after thinking about it, I think the intention and I think, you know, 
the deed was was in the right kind of you know uh, motive. But for me, it set back, and I thought, you know, uh, one is lack of oversight. I always say that the, the whole lack of oversight is the big issue here. And the second part is, is that not only lack of oversight, but also that is this the right agency to be doing that? Is it the right you know people that are one is is investigating criminal activities, but at the same time, should there be you know the uh, agency for for securing things that are not you know there for investigating criminal activities? There, there is the part of the cleanup. So the question comes down to is should the same agency who's doing these cleanup be the same one that's also investigating crimes? And I think um, actually on that, I think just putting it, keeping it in those real terms, right? If EMT comes in, if an EMT or the ambulance, some no. you know, comes into my house to rescue me because I'm having a heart attack, there is no, there's no searching. There's no whatever. If they find stuff because they're trying to figure out yeah. like, what did I take or whatever? Like it's still all outside the bounds of law enforcement because it is not a law enforcement agency. And yeah, I agree. Maybe if it was a different agency, maybe if we had a, a, a different group that was responsible for health and human services of like networks and stuff yeah. or computers or, you know, whatever. Um, maybe that's the way, I mean, but I don't trust law enforcement to be able to, <laughs> like, they just can't, it's their mission yeah. is to it, enforce yeah. laws. Like it's, it's just puts them in a weird position. I'm, I'm sure, sure Josh has some, but it's the notification. Thoughts. It's the notification and transparency, which is the problem that I think we have with this. That's it's not, you know, notifying. We don't know. There's been no transparency into what exactly the details are. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, giving people time to fix it, you know, and giving them the organizations their own opportunity to do um, the right thing. And then also, you know, did they leave a note behind saying, you know, <laughs> well, I mean, I think you're, they did. you're, you're welcome. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> yes. the reason we were finding out about it is because they are, yeah. I mean, in the articles that I read, there was definitely notification, mm-hmm. but it was all after the fact. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting, you know, I just, I keep coming back to this, but it's an interesting issue. This is an outlook server, right? Which when you think about FBI's right. doing investigations of organizations, the emails are just like, almost always the smoking gun and like these things, right? I mean, like you think about Enron, you think about even, I was reading the other day about uh, Under Armour, like pulling forward revenue stuff, like the SEC slammed them because it's like so much of our legal code is about what was your mentality when you committed this offense and your emails that are, you know, as people still don't realize that, you know, emails are postcards, not envelopes. Um, And even more so when the FBI is sitting on the, uh, you know, the Outlook server, so, so I feel like that is such a crucial like pulse point mm-hmm. for for an investigation, and the fact that the FBI, without a warrant, was uh, you know gained access to these 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 like critical points of, of what could be an investigation into criminal activity on you know how many hundreds thousands of servers. Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah. what happens now if one of these companies is implicated in a crime in the next eighteen months? Today, can they say now, like, hey, the evidence that you obtained was was illegally obtained, and now yeah. they're like absolved of any crimes? Like, you just opened up a huge can of worms. Like, I don't know, I don't, I don't know how that works. Potentially, even could have actually made uh, many existing investigations could have actually been deemed, you know, admissible in court now. Um, potentially, you know, they could come back and use that as a, you know, the, the evidence was planted or that, uh, right. you know, this was something that, you know, the attackers uh, have went in and actually planted it themselves. So yep. it's always that, you know, who, who had the hands on the keyboard? And when you've basically got the security is, is open, you could actually make it that somebody else deemed uh, or actually did the, the crime. Yeah, exactly. And then, like, where does this line of law, I mean, I hate, you know, slippery slope and all, but like, where does this, you know, where does this line of, of thinking end? I mean, as private citizen, suppose there's some, you know, wormable vulnerability. These things have been happening for a decade. I mean, the first one was like the Melissa virus, if I remember correctly, like the yeah. FBI was involved in rolling that up as well, right? So, you know, they mm-hmm. they have a history of, uh, you know, setting precedents around doing the investigations for these sorts of, you know, cyber crimes, like building worms mm-hmm. and stuff. You know, suppose someone figures out a wormable exploit for like an iPhone or for for a MacBook or, you know, uh, now, all the, you know, now all of a sudden does the FBI have the ability to, you know, remotely access millions of American citizens devices? Like, I don't know. We've sort of opened the door to that, that being a possibility. That makes me yeah. very uncomfortable. Well, right. I, I don't know if this is what you're, but the, the idea that law enforcement is also using the same vulnerabilities that the attackers are using to gain access, it's like, 
that also makes me nervous just in and of itself. Forget about what right. their intent was, like the precedent of how, what is the legal framework under which they can they can break well, the law in order to gain access to a network. Are they going to start patching our systems for us as well? I mean, are they going to take on the responsibility of securing them even further? Right. Um, so, you know, there's two methods of doing this. Is one, you take the responsibility and the action to do it. Or basically, you work with the legal aspect of things to make sure that people have the accountability and responsibility to do it themselves. And that's the difference. That's what really, I mean, we look at a lot of the compliances and regulations that's coming uh, in EU. You've got GDPR, which is really that, that, that enforcement. If you don't do it, you'll get a penalty for not. So for companies in the EU that actually don't pass those systems and don't close up the hole, they could be exposed to uh, GDPR fines. Well, so what's this funny is, is you know, that's, that, uh-huh. that whole fine thing was when the first time I read the article, one mm-hmm. of the things that came in my mind was in the U.S. and other jurisdictions, if you go to a gas station and run in to pay or do whatever, mm-hmm. but leave your, your car unlocked, you can come out to, to a ticket in the hundreds of dollars or $25 or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Law enforcement was there saying, hey, we have a law that says you're supposed to lock your door to keep it from getting stolen. And you didn't do that. They didn't come in and, and lock the car for me. They didn't, uh, you know, they didn't open the doors. And I think it's sort of that same thing of law, law enforcement's role is to enforce laws. If it's fines or notifications or whatever, that's 100%. It's where they start going in that that's problematic. Uh, I, I think that's exactly right, Mike. And, you know, Joe, an interesting permutation of your thought uh, is, well, for all of these, uh, well, Mike made an observation that basically like math and computer science don't care if you're the police, right? And so like when we build secure systems, they are secure against forced entry, no matter who you are. They don't care. You know, we've talked in a previous episode and I think on the Cyber Podcast, Mike, yeah. about back doors, like a kind of fallacious argument that is, you know, or, or like, uh, you know, um, uh, errant uh, kind of engineering uh, uh, endeavor. And, and, so basically what you're left with is if you are a law enforcement uh, or you know defense kind of function you have to use the exact same tools techniques and uh, and and tactics as as a uh, as an attacker you know a, a, a criminal and it really is just intent right um so now you've got this interesting problem because if you're if you are a law enforcement agency that's well funded and you need to gain access into devices that are increasingly more and more secure you're going to like be doing exploit development and vulnerability research, just like, you know, 30 years ago, criminals were doing. So now suppose you find remote code execution in all versions, modern versions of Windows, for example, what do you do with that? You've just found like a, um, a, a an issue that could potentially cripple the internet and, you know, like have reverberations to the economy, right? Um, do you do you hold on to that and use that as a as a special access tool? When you do use that, are you exposing the world to problems because we're increasingly instrumenting our networks? And like, if some incident responders go back and like, oh my god, look at this as a problem. For example, you know, hypothetically in the RDP stack or something of a, of a Windows box. You know, um, totally separate topic. When we saw like Eternal Blue, for example, come out, um, you know. That, you know, people were, were attaching crypto malware to those payloads, right? And so how do you as an organization, as a law enforcement organization, balance the risk that you're putting the, the world at with the tools that you're developing versus your need for, for, for forced entry when, 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 you, well, when you need to do it? I would even argue not even the tools that you're developing, but you, you now have the knowledge. Like, forget about whether or not you, you have the tool and you're keeping it in your back pocket. You now have the knowledge that someone else could develop the same exact tool. And we know the majority, like so much of this is state state sponsored actors and others who are just as well-funded or criminal organizations that are just as well-funded as these law enforcement to believe that no one else has discovered the same vulnerabilities or is incapable of eventually discovering them is also a problem. So right. mm-hmm. you, where's your responsible disclosure in that? You've, you found a vulnerability. Aren't you obligated to notify the manufacturer or the the... Yeah. So for, for me, you know, when we look at this, I think that law enforcement, what they should have been doing is notifying regulators for those companies if they were feeling, for example, if it was financial, maybe they're feeling PCI as a result of this. Um, if it was um, government uh, agency, maybe it's, uh, you know, compliance failure with uh, this framework. All of those things, I mean, this should have been the legal avenue 
you know, and this always gets into, you know, when we talk about, you know, uh, Josh, you were mentioning, you know, but uh, creating, uh, you know, malicious tools and, and weapons. I will say that, you know, one thing that I thought a few years ago was quite interesting. There was a whole discussion around encryption, around the use of VPN and end-to-end -end encryption. And one thing that was really interesting was a lot of countries around the world were looking at banning the, these tools, you know, banning the use of them for certain areas. And I was getting into that that fundamentally is creating an unsecure, you know, uh, world where we're really looking to make it much more secure. We're making it much more difficult for the criminals. But I thought it was interesting because Russia did take a different stance. What they did was they actually made the use of it for illegal activities illegal, which I think is the right approach. I thought it actually it was one thing that they did was that, you know, there's many tools out there that can be used for good or bad. But if you use it for the illegal intentions, then that's what basically is the criminal activity. Not just having it and not, you know, just using it. It's the legal actions. And I think this is really where it gets into is that, you know, I think this, this direction we're going to is that you either have to make sure that you fundamentally create the right framework, the right direction, because right now it's a, it's a big gray area. And I get scared when we go into gray areas because it could either go to the extreme, meaning that you, privacy is gone. We're actually getting to a point where privacy is, is on a thin line right now. And it's actions like these that really kind of start to dissolve it even further. Um, and that's what that's what I'm afraid of. And that's why I always get scared that there's no oversight. It's 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 that separate, you know, it's it's that's there's some type of oversight that represents the citizens to make sure that the agencies, when they're doing these actions, for example, let's say they did go in uh, and to remove the web shell that any things, any tools, any information, anything that was gathered at that point basically is completely erased and destroyed, that there's nothing that's retained. And we don't know that because there is no oversight. We don't know what else was, was done. But you're we not going to be able to have access. I mean, the fact is you're not going to be able to erase somebody, mm -hmm. what some, somebody's mind, right? So there's always the possibility that someone saw something. Mm -hmm. Now they know, hey, we, we can't use any of this as evidence, like the stuff that we gathered mm -hmm. illegally. I think, I mean, I watch enough uh, TV cop drama <laughs> shows to know that, like, you know, clearly this happens where they know there's evidence of a crime that they can't use and they find some other way to try and get, you know, like, well, we know there's a crime going on, so let's go ahead and figure out how we can investigate yeah. this under a legal framework. But I think, I, I think all three of us are, are it's a very one-sided conversation, right? There's mm -hmm. nobody here trying to argue law enforcement's perspective on this or whatever. Right. So for one second, I'd like to maybe play devil's advocate, right? So. Um, notification. It takes a long time. In the meantime, all of these guys are still vulnerable. Let's say the situation is what's happening in like between Russia and the Ukraine, right? Russia is, you know, or, or what's happened in the past where it's things are happening at a very fast rate. You have a state sponsored actor going after another country and all of their infrastructure and the rest of it. Is there time to act or notify or is it law enforcement is it such a, a fast-moving environment that it justifies no we're just going to go in and we're going to take care of this problem for you we're going to let you know we did this because if we wait till for you to do it 30 days 90 days whatever it's too late you guys are going to be exploited so from that perspective i'm curious what you guys think um i mean i still have my thoughts but yeah i think <laughs> you know when i when i try to think about the other side of this issue, the only and it, analogies are always awful in like cybersecurity. But I think about, I think about something like um, uh, termites. Okay. So bear with me here. Um, <laughs> so, so the only, the only kind of situation where this sort of violating a person's right to privacy and property um, is, is kind of justified to my mind is when there's a community effect that outweighs the, the person's kind of entitlement to that privacy, if that makes sense. And people are going to disagree on where that, where that, that flashpoint is. But where I think is like, say you've got like a neighborhood and half of the houses have this like horrible termite infection, right? But for whatever reason, either the owners aren't there or they can't afford the termite, you know, um, extermination and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the, the, the municipal government decides, well, you know what, like we're going to tent all these houses and kill the termites because what's going to happen is they're going to they're going to spread. And then we're going to have a mm -hmm. huge problem with massive amounts of property damage. You're putting your neighbors at risk by not dealing with this issue in your house. And so we're going to take matters into our own hands. Right. Like that's the. Mm -hmm that's the kind of 
nuance that I think the, these things they get yeah. get a little mushy. So the, the question is just like how much work to my mind, how much were these vulnerable Outlook servers putting yeah. others at risk? I mean, I think um, maybe a more like because I think even that termite's such a slow moving thing, right? Let's say there's a mob. Let's say there's some sort of protest out of control in some, you know, like city and people are running amok, right? What is law enforcement's like ability to defend private company, you know, private businesses? And can they board up windows to help protect property loss or, you know, like, I don't know. So yeah. maybe that's or, a, or a, enter a, into a private property, you know, where, where a crime is being committed, not by the owner of the property, but by somebody else. Where where a crime is being committed. I mean, that's a different problem, right? Like we have, I think laws around, like if they, I think, but if there's, if there's a mob coming down the street and they see that there's a building that doesn't have boarded up windows, they see that there's a jewelry store that's unsecured and they know this mob might get there. What, what can law enforcement do? Are they allowed to enter that jewelry store and wait, you know, and try and patch things up before the criminals get there. So do you think there's, this is actually a really interesting philosophical point. So do you think there's a difference in the act that these two scenarios, the FBI going in Mm -hmm. on a server that is actively exploited, there's a web shell on it. They know that's true. There's, you know, so, so they know there's, they see the traffic coming off. They know that there's like these things are compromised. Uh, going on, doing remediation, and then patching the machine as, as sort of one course. And then another one, which is, um, hey, the, the FBI or whoever is scanning the internet or they're using Shodan or whatever, um, and they've noticed that based on the fingerprinting, those Outlook servers, are have, they have a vulnerable version. Uh, and without any evidence that they're currently exploited beyond the fact that they're vulnerable, going in and then exploiting the server, patching it and coming off. Like, are those two different situations? That's true. Actually, I forgot, I forgot that they were actually already compromised. Yeah. I mean, right. if, if the police are going down the street and they see uh, a robbery in progress, they, ha- they right. don't have to wait for no. a warrant yeah. to go in. That's a, yeah. that's a, that's a, I agree with your point though, is that for me, there's a big difference though. There's a difference between it's the impact I think that's it's this was right. not a worm. This was not something that was spreading. It's right. something that people manually went in, did the exploit and basically and put in the web shell and, and gain remote access. And it was not something that was spreading further and further um, unless basically the you know, attackers would continue to, of course, to exploit the, the vulnerable servers. It's okay, not a it, it's, it's not it's not like a ransomware that basically all of a sudden just started spreading and spreading and spreading and spreading. And, and you had to find a way to stop it. Just like you mentioned, you know, I, I like the example with the termites is because that's something it will continue to, you know, to infect other companies. Um, this was something that was a, a much more of a static scenario. Does it and mean it was that a crime you're going to patch everything? But it was um, a crime. I mean, they saw that it was exploited. They saw that there was a web show. I mean, I know where I stand and I don't think it makes that much of a difference to me. I think that there's still the notification mm-hmm. route. I think there's still more that they should have done. I think that there is a mm-hmm. difference between a, a, somebody with a gun in a jewelry store where there's potential, like, whatever versus other types of the, the, I think law enforcement sees crimes mm-hmm. in progress all the time that are a little more slow moving or a little less urgent to deal with. And they probably don't use the same tactics. I am, none of us are, are, you know, in that framework that really know what those laws and lines are. But my guess is, I think that I still think it was a little bit of an overstep, but there is something to be said for it. There was some sort of criminal activity mm-hmm. in progress that they were right potentially investigating. Yeah. And then, you know, what happens? I mean, it's just, it opens up so many interesting questions. You know, there's probably like what for, I imagine first year law students think of these like stupid hypothetical <laughs> situations, but uh, you know, like what if, what if the police go into the jewelry store where there's an active robbery and they find a meth lab in the back that's completely unrelated to the, you know, to the robbery. Like what, what do you do about that? Like it's, 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 yeah. it's, it's, it's really complicated. You know, but not not from even a compliance and and legal perspective is that let's say all of a sudden, you know, I feel an audit. I'm like, well, well, I was expecting the FBI to patch that server. Um, You know, they patched the other one for me. Why not this one? Um, (laughs) I mean, it it opens a whole thing of mess that we basically, you know, that's That's a good point. Yeah, it's like. I'm not expecting they did the last one. Why should I patch anymore? I'm going to focus my resources somewhere else because the FBI is going to do it for me. That's the that's the issue is that and 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 where's the balance? Where's who who makes the selection? 
you know, these things should have been something. So, you know, I always say it's the legal aspect, which is basically what influences people's actions. And this is really where it gets into is that it should have been something that if, you know, it's an opt-in. Do you want us to come and do it for you? No, this is a choice. If you don't, we're going to report you to, you know, to, to basically audit compliance who you're going to come back with a major fine. Um, that's really, for me, I think, you know, is the process and, and the right way of doing it um, is basically making sure that there is a framework that actually is consistent, scalable, that will actually work in the future. This just opened up a huge amount of questions for the industry um, about what, what happens next. Yeah, and I think the, the notion of opting in gives you more opportunity to say, like, I, yes, if there's an active exploit, I want you to come in. If it's just something that you've noticed where I'm vulnerable, I want you to use my responsible disclosure program that I set up specifically for this um, and go ahead and notify me. And then that's the other thing is what it, how does law enforcement sort of disrupt that that whole notion and like what's their role and responsibility in there and and how yeah. what's the impact but yeah. yeah i even remember i remember years ago when um this during my time at cementec we had a product that was called DeepSight, and it was part of the gin network and ultimately DeepSight was that you did an audit on the company in regards to the attacks that was attacking that company but when we actually ran the deep site quite a few times you'd find out that those companies actually had ongoing attacks coming out of their organization because they had compromised machines within and they were attacking other companies. Um, so you'd actually go and say, hey, you know, here's what's attacking you, but here's also compromised machines in your network, which was attacking these other companies. Um, what would you like to do about it? Um, you know, it's, and it, is this going to be the same? You know, is it now going to go even further that it's not just about companies who are being exploited and have web shells and their exchange servers to even companies who's doing DDoS attacks and others? Are they going to come in and clean? Are they going to clean up the internet? Is that I mean, is that their their agenda and goal? Because um, this what it, it what appears that the motive was <laughs> is that they're going to start cleaning up the internet. What's the bigger picture here? Um, and I think that's the big question that you know we really get have to get answers to. Uh, what is their role in the future of the security of the internet? Uh, I think it's totally right, Joe. And and like what I think about. Again, like going back to this sort of community framework, because there's 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 almost like an American tradition that like we have a right to be idiots, and uh, so like so like if you're gonna do something that's like terrible for you, but it doesn't affect anyone else, generally speaking, like we're okay with that. You know, sorry, this is like kind of an American centric uh, uh, pr- perspective, I think, um, for better or worse. But but the, the moment that what you're doing starts affecting other people, as evidenced by you sort of the uh, yeah, like I'm thinking about masks in public. For example. I think, we're, I think we're all I think we're all thinking about masks in public. Which we're, right. Yeah, we're, we're, there's, 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 this is still an actively debated uh, battleground. But just bear with me here for a second. I mean, I, I think that um, you know when a server is compromised, I think about sort of two different populations of um, devices and the people behind those devices that could be potentially affected by that compromise, right? Uh, this is a terrible pun. I apologize. I know I was talking about termites. I'm now going to talk about gnats uh, without the G. Uh, sorry. Um, so, you know, things that are behind that firewall, things on the LAN now get exposed. So, you know, if you've got an Outlook server that was on a on a border, there's a possibility that somebody, if it's not configured properly, you get DMZ issues or whatever. Now someone could swim upstream and get into your active directory and start messing with devices that are on your network. So that's that's a whole mess. I think that's potentially, depending on the context, a little bit less of a concern mm-hmm. because ostensibly that Outlook server is connected to a land that's like related to the same legal entity. So I'm like a little less concerned about that sort of community issue there. Where it gets interesting is what you were talking about, G, which is, you know, you've got uh, that server becomes a pivot point now. It becomes mm-hmm. infrastructure for the attacker to to then go on and attack more things. You might say, well... They're all connected to the same WAN. So that, what does it matter that you've now got an additional place to launch your attack? Well, uh, you ask any professional advanced mm-hmm. persistent threat about how important that is. It's very important. That's infrastructure. So you're, the infrastructure allows you to evade um, attempts to block traffic, right? Uh, as well as to mask your activity uh, so that you can, yeah. you can continue to operate it, uh, you know, securely. And so like the more infrastructure that someone accumulates, the more they can operate with impunity and, and, and there really is an exponential effect. So I can see an argument there that like when you compromise more and more and more servers, it actually does in some sense have like a community kind of 
ramification, you know, just, just playing devil's advocate a little bit. And I think also on that, it's like, so if I'm investigating a criminal organization that has branched out into these places, what's as opposed to, so now I'm, I'm not, I'm not going, I'm not dealing with the private entities. I'm dealing with the victims, right? But I'm investigating mm-hmm. the criminal organization and investigating this in investigating that criminal organization. I'm finding that they've accumulated this infrastructure all over the internet. What am I supposed to do? How, you know, what's the victim's rights? How do I notify them? Right. What, am, what should I patch? There's that stuff. Um, I do think back to that other, fra- the, the framework that Joe was talking about while uh, while you're talking, Josh, I, I realized like we sort of do have things in place around what limitations we put on law enforcement. For example, uh, if I'm driving without my seatbelt, I can get a ticket for that. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, you could not get pulled over for not driving with the seatbelt. You could only get pulled over for some other infraction. And then if they saw that you weren't wearing a seatbelt, that was something in addition, right? It wasn't like there was no, they couldn't just pull you over just because they suspected that you weren't wearing a seatbelt. They couldn't pull you over just because they suspected this or that. And so I think those that's where I want to see laws try and catch up. But I also know that laws will never catch up with technology and that law enforcement, like we need better frameworks to guide law enforcement such that we don't always need laws that are keeping up, but rather that just more intent oriented things to try and keep them in check and in balance. Right. I I think it's totally right. And then I think the other thing is for us as security practitioners is if we don't want the FBI and and all these other organizations to, to get in our business, we need to make sure that we're building secure systems and that we are um, building secure process, good processes to go back and patch things <laughs> that, that that we find. Because if ultimately, like we wouldn't be talking about this problem if if we if if the if the original issue didn't occur. And I know that's a little bit of victim blaming, but, I guess. But, yeah, but, like, but there's also, I mean, they're eroding our trust in them, right? I mean, that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Is like I would love to have a much better working partnership with law enforcement with regard to cybersecurity. I do. Right. It's got to be this bi-directional thing. And by yeah. doing these types of things, you're eroding my trust in you. Um, it's, always been, yeah. right. it's always been my challenge as well. Everything, when you're working and cooperating with law enforcement, it's always one directional information. Very little kind of comes back or there's very little bi-directional communication, transparency, you know, which, which erodes the trust. But you know, it's, it's very different in Europe, though, is that you know, trust is, is built and you have to work together on certain things that you can co- cooperate and collaborate on. I think in the U.S., though, is that what you do is you, you rely on the three pillars of government to provide oversight of each other. Um, but I think this is the, this is where I see the issue is, again, is that is that oversight there in this situation? Is the oversight, being, is, is Congress making sure that the agencies and Department of Justice and everything is actually covering and making sure that there is an oversight process? Well, well the think, answer is no, because they didn't yeah. get warrants. Exactly. exactly. I mean, so was a, the judiciary is supposed to have oversight. I mean, there was a court. I mean, they, they got a court order, right? Oh, they got a court order. That's right. I'm sorry. But they yeah, did, they did go through the right. judiciary. They got a court order. That's right. Right. And te- and tax, it was Texas court order that they actually leveraged as part of this. Yeah, and I think there was also there was also another piece um, is the knock on door um, scenario. I, I can't remember what it was. It was uh, one of our previous guests was talking about from the um, law enforcement side, they have the capability of going in and checking uh, digital equipment uh, with certain circumstances without having a warrant. I think there were certain situations there that they could do it. Um, and I think the court order would give them that ability to, to, to carry out their activities. Um, One of the issues, though, in the U.S. is you have law enforcement at all these different levels. You have, yeah. you have local law enforcement, you have state, you have um, federal, and then you also have jurisdiction shopping. Of course, if I'm the FBI, I know which federal, like which court to go to mm-hmm. to get what I want. I'm not going to yeah, go to yeah. New York or California. I'm going to go to Texas. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I mean, I think there's, I, I think that's part of the problem as well, which is there's just there's not enough happening at the at the at the top yes. level to govern everything all the way down. And we talked about it in the last recorded, uh, it's not yet published, yeah. but the, the idea that like every law enforcement agency, you know, local police think that they, that they're the the sniper, the that they're the, that, that yeah. they're expert, that they're the whatever, and they should be able to, you know, and so I'm worried about the sort of trickle down effect. What does it mean if, can my state 
you know, my state um, law enforcement agency use the same mm-hmm. tactics that the FBI uses. And trust me, I have a lot more um, faith in the FBI than I do as you go further and further down because they have less and less funding, less and less capability. You know, the yeah. resources are spread thinner and thinner, but yet they will use the same tactics. Mm-hmm. You know, law enforcement shares down. There's no problem. I mean, you can see it because uh, police are driving around in tanks. You know, it's yeah. like so. Yeah. I also wonder as well, Josh, I don't know how many, you know, because right after the whole uh, vulnerability in the news and the zero day, a bunch of security researcher peers of mine set up tons of honeypots. So the question is that, you know, <laughs> what, <laughs> what was the law enforcement actually patching honeypots? You know, there's a big question as well. You know, there's a lot of people actually set up honeypots right. in order to capture and gather and see what's happening so they can analyze the attackers and understand their attack path and techniques, which Am is I going to get fined for do. my, do I get <laughs> fined for having a honeypot? <laughs> 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 I mean, it raises a big question. Uh, but into, I mean, you know, the, the other side of it's true, though, too. I mean, if you have a honeypot and it gets compromised in some way, is that like, and it can be used as a reflector or as a to, to attack the rest of like, again, I have the right to be an idiot. Uh, but once it starts impacting other people, uh, maybe it is. Maybe I do, you know, it's on me to say, like, okay, like the honeypots that we should be running are only internal to cat. Like, we shouldn't be yeah. totally exposing this stuff because. It could be but used, that's, but that's, that's used for people. deception. But usually not for deception. Deception is a way to make sure. You know, that's that's one one technique from you know, OSINT yeah. side of things is that you want to make sure that when someone's poking a hole in your network, you want to try and get visibility. And, and when they're poking a hole, it's typically from the public domain, right? Um, so therefore, you want to make sure that they're actually triggering your alarms that will give you an early detection ability to make sure that you know someone's attempting to get through your door. Yeah, exactly. All I was suggesting was that maybe uh, like. Not that it's a good thing, but like, at what point does it become, right? I need, I'm not allowed to actually have that early detection. I have to have it further a, down yeah. where it's no longer early detection. It's like, oh, look, right. I've become compromised. As long as, as long as, yeah, as long as it's not doing it, tack back. As long as, so here, here is when, when we did, it was, oh, it was 10 plus years ago now. This was uh, post Estonia 2007 attack. Um, there's a project called Cyberminds, which is about active honeypots attacking back. That was the gray area. As long as your honeypots are not causing damage <laughs> to other people's property, um, it's kind of deemed as okay. You can have Shouldn't active honeypots. Shouldn't those be honeypots. called beehives? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's literally, yeah. It's the, it's the bees that come back and sting you when you disturb the pot. Um, so, but yeah, as long as, as long as the honeypots are not causing any downstream impact, um, then you can set them up. There's a lot of, we should, we should uh, label this uh, podcast uh, cyber insects or something like that. We've yeah, like, yeah. covered like a yes. remarkable amount of uh, <laughs> the cyber bees. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I mean so go ahead. So what you're saying, Joe, is we're, we're, we're going to, I should expect to see like an APT report on all the FBI's toolkits and infrastructure that they used to be patching uh <laughs> patching these servers i hope i hope they didn't reuse that toolkit <laughs> exactly <laughs> so but i mean it kind of it drives up a whole fundamental thing is that i think there needs this needs to be brought into the open and have a, a real discussion in the industry and i think it, you know we we were not going to we, we can only provide our you know from a security perspective expertise in this and, and definitely you know having law enforcement in would be fantastic to get their view you know kind of what was the intentions um, and even somebody from a legal perspective um, and even getting, you know, uh, other, you know, security researchers who really kind of, you know, get into that gray area a bit more to understand. But, you know, so it really, for me, it was always that it's, it's well, of the law enforcement to do it and it's okay for them and they didn't need to go through the legal process. What happens is, is it, you know, going back to your Myra botnets, uh, is it okay for citizens to do this as well? What happens if citizens start going around and using the web cells and going past your servers for you? This kind of, you know, where's the legal boundaries here? And that's, I think, where we really need to make sure. It's a big discussion we had years ago here in Estonia around defensive versus offensive capabilities as well. We've had the discussion before around, you know, when you have basically a cyber attack, citizens should not be attacking back. They should basically be helping, you know, defend and provide resiliency and, you know, provide capability in making sure that you're able to, to, to continue operating. You'll have certain agencies, government officials who can do the offensive side. 
Um, maybe they, they bring in con- contractors or whatever it might be. Uh, but I think this really gets into the same as that where, you know, what if citizens decide to go back and, you know, start, you know, uh, bricking these machines and start uh, patching people's servers? Um, is that okay? You know, where, where's the boundaries here? And I think that's I mean, really it. If you're in Florida thing. or Texas, I think it's okay to shoot them. I think that's <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, but, but only if they're in your bedroom. If, it's in, if, in, if they're in your bedroom, well, I don't know. States, no, it's, 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 it depends it's, a little okay. bit of property, but we won't get into all that. But so it, it depends. Does, it depends where your your exchange server is. <laughs> I guess if it's in your home <laughs> or or upstairs in your bedroom, then it's a threat to your family. Um, but no, I mean there are interesting. I mean there is precedent around that type of stuff. About at what point are you allowed to sort of quote unquote fight back, and what's a legitimate yeah. use of your own force and blah, blah, blah. But I mean, like, I don't want to go down that path. I just think, you know, in talking about all of this, I think the real, the real problem area isn't us on the, on the cybersecurity side, educating and mm-hmm. doing what we need to do. I think where everything dies, at least in the United States mm-hmm. is in Congress. And that's where all of this stuff, you know, and, and trying to get these are very complex issues and the security, forget about security. You know, we've talked about it with regard to back, you know, government backdoors into stuff and, and so on and so forth. And in every case, it's getting Congress people to understand this cyber, at a level, cyber, right. Yeah, that they can actually it's, legislate effectively. And, you know, luckily we have people like Lindsey Graham who, you know, really, you know, really get it. Um, he doesn't like, it's just, it just, and that's where I get so frustrated is just seeing, you know, watching C-SPAN, I'm the person who does, and watching these debates and just knowing that, like, they clearly don't understand the implications of, of, of what they're they're trying to legislate. They Do you just need don't a cyber Congress? Do you need a cyber Congress? Do you need a Congress that is specifically <laughs> there for, for digital? You know, right, digital and we've talked about security. it, too. And, and it yeah. needs to happen at more of a global level. It needs to be who? It needs to be, you know, the yeah. world, you know, some sort of much larger, because... At, at the U.S. level, it doesn't matter because if yeah. if there's some government that's in whatever that's not going to enforce the yeah. laws, like you look at all of the attacks that come out of India, local law enforcement doesn't do much to punish the criminals in India. Um, it, it just, but they're attacking U.S. citizens. I, you know, it's like it's just so difficult of an area, and that's where I think everything sort of we, we can talk about it all day long, but until it's this global problem, and there's mm-hmm. no global defense force yeah i think at least i mentioned previously you know that at least the new uh kind of white house statement that came out did actually talk about you know with the new funding around cyber that they did talk about um a cooperative a transparency global effort that this no country can deal with this themselves as well so i think that you know maybe we do need a cyber type of interpol um as well and that that we go even beyond uh you know it's as an international corporation to work in these, because again, it also gets into where some of these companies multinational, uh, were they, you know, uh, you know, based, you know, headquartered in other countries. Uh, it just happened that it's exchange servers were based in the U S. So I think yeah. absolutely. So Josh, Josh, just any, any th- final thoughts. If the FBI, I'm pretty sure somebody in the FBI, they're all probably listening to this call already <laughs> anyway. So um, <laughs> when they do listen to the live podcast, I mean, what would you recommend, you know, if, you know, a future direction, you know, from summarizing this up, because uh, we're, we're definitely not going to solve it here. Um, right. And I think this is a bigger debate. And I think absolutely, Mike, you know, Congress, this needs to be, Congress needs to be brought up to speed and how to deal with this, because we've seen a lot of kind of unknowledgeable un- uh, people in Congress that don't know really how to ask the right questions. And I think this is always about asking the right questions will help you find a direction and solution. So Josh, any any recommendations or pointers where you know where we should be looking for the future to solve you know, or to at least come up with possible recommendations? Yeah, I mean, it, it, well, from from a cybersecurity professional perspective, to me, this just is a reminder that if we don't clean up after ourselves, like the government's going to do it for us, and none of us want that. So it's just a reminder for us to have more resolve to take control of these systems, our own systems, secure them, build new. Sec- like build security into the, the 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 products that we're putting into the market, um, you know. Look, I was I spent a lot of time in the government, and I understand like by and large, the vast majority of folks that work for the federal government have really good intent, and and they're really just trying to do 
uh, to do their job, which is to try to keep folks safe and secure, right? Um, I think there's a bit of messaging that could have been better here on this. And to my mind, and maybe this, maybe there's some variation in the security community, but to my mind, when you take an overt action like this that really pushes the boundaries, you need to make a clear and compelling case that this is an exigent circumstance, that there is something about this particular incident that is so um, beyond normal and puts people at uh, such a greater risk that you acknowledge that you're really stepping some boundaries here and that this is this is a special circumstance and you broadcast that wildly. Otherwise, people like us are going to freak out and say, look, is this the new normal? And and rightly so. I mean, like, we you know, we guard our our, our freedoms and liberties, I think, for, for good reason. Absolutely. I think I completely agree. I think, you know, this is really a, a communication issue in, in probably the most uh, uh, aspect of it. So, Mike, any, any final thoughts? You know, have we changed your opinion or has it just been <laughs> reinforced? I mean, I think, you know, opinions evolve. I think at the end of it, okay. no, nothing from my perspective, my, my general opinion about law enforcement and their role in all this hasn't changed dramatically. But again, I agree. I think it's a communication problem, first and foremost. I think um, there's things that even courts could be doing. I would love to see more specialization, like more, uh, whether it's um, having resources available to the courts, like when these warrants come up, like who's making this decision? Who does the judge turn to to figure out, like, what's the right course of action? Is this yeah. an actual existential threat or is this something that the the other side is just blowing out of proportion and how, how do we, how do they figure all that out? So I think, you know, um, and I'm, I'm hopeful that at the similar that we're seeing in other parts of the country with regard to law enforcement and um, partnerships with like um, uh, health services and others so that when they're responding to what's not actually a criminal activity, they're maybe bringing a social worker along or whatever. I would just love to see that sort of expand more for all these different types of nuanced things where it's not law enforcement's like specialization. Um, and I'm, I'm sort of optimistic that we'll get there. Um, probably not as quickly as I'd like. Um, but yeah, I agree. It's a communication. Yeah. Communication is, is the foremost issue that I mm-hmm. think resulted here. And we all, I think we all agree that the, the intentions and motives were in the right places. It just could have done with a bit more, let's say, uh, diplomatic methods, right. <laughs> probably as I would say. It. Um, but absolutely, Josh, it's been fantastic having you on the show again. I, hopefully we can actually get you back on again soon because it's always a fun and educational conversation for me as always. Um, so I would great. love it. Yeah, maybe we'll talk about hacking back. Uh, yeah, hacking back <laughs> is always the, that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Always the, the edgy, edgy <laughs> conversation, that one. Um, but absolutely. So for the audience, I hope this has been interesting. Um, hope you've getting you know, up to date on what's been happening in recent news and trends. Um, hopefully, if anyone in the FBI or Congress is listening, we'd love to have the discussion with you as well. Um, so do reach out to us um, if you'd like to have that conversation. Um, again, thanks for listening in. Uh, check us out, 401 Access Tonight, every two weeks. Um, we're trying to keep you up to date, keep you educated and keeping you basically on trend and basically hopefully safe and secure as much as we possibly can. So again, thank you. All the best. Take care and goodbye. Learn how your team can get a free trial of Cybrae for business by going to www.cybrae.it slash business. This podcast is also brought to you by Thycotic, the leader in privileged access management. To learn more, visit www.thycotic.com.